Jason, it's our show, and like every other show, we are brought to the people by Budget Blinds. Budget Blinds! Budget Blinds of Lee Summit are our friends and our magnanimous sponsors, and they have a tip for you. When planning out your betting, think odd. That's easy for you, isn't it, Jason? I can't do anything but. <laughs> odd numbers of pillows actually will give you a balanced look. You know, yesterday, I kid you not, there I was at tw- on Twitter in lieu of doing like work and stuff. Isn't and that there what, was what social media is for. There was a literal entire Twitter argument in the Twitter sphere in which I live about how many pillows are the proper number of pillows to have. Now this was more about sleeping than look, but there was some of that you know like we've got to have the shams and the other pillows and the fancy pillows and the I don't I I'm a one pillow sleeper. Me too. I've got I've got a pillow. I love it. I, I sleep on it, and I the rest of it is uh, well. It's not my choice. We'll just put it that way about the pillow decorations in our household. No, I don't know what the proper number is there. However, those of you who are listening who are in charge of pillow decisions in your home, an odd number of pillows on your bed will give you that balanced look that you're looking for. That's your tip for this week from our good good friends. At Budget Blinds. Go see him in downtown Lee Summit. Tell him Jason and Nick sent you. You know, I will tell you that I, I got involved a little bit in politics with Obama, and I was very excited about him and did that. But it wasn't really true uh, until the, the big elections that I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, if you want something changed, you have to get out there. And I, so I think that movement is going. I think that when we see our next door neighbors involved in projects and we think, well, you know what, I could get, I could give an hour to that or I could show up at that meeting. Or when you have a strong personality and you tell your five friends, listen, we really need to go to this meeting, we really need to make a difference, then, then you're more likely to affect change. So I think we'll see it trickle down. And I think we've seen it trickle down in, in some of our local politics who's, who's getting elected and, and who we're saying, you know, we appreciate your service, but it's going to be time to move on to a more progressive voice. This is Hillary Graves. Welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall and our Friday conversation. I'm excited about this one. This is one of my favorite topics. It's people that are involved in the community. I have with me Hillary Graves. Hillary, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Like I said, this is this is this is what I love to hear about. I like people that dig in in the community, get involved with stuff. You, it turns out, are involved in like everything. Um, <laughs> you uh, apparently like to be busy, and you want to make a change somehow, some way. True, and I like to work for free, as you can see, without <laughs> well, the volunteering. <laughs> you know, um, so there's a there's a there's there's a seminar next week about for for small business owners like me about remembering to pay yourself. Oh. So that's something I'm learning too. Is okay. that apparently when you go into business for yourself, the business part is that you're supposed to that make you money. Have to pay yourself. I haven't I haven't thought much about <laughs> that. But I married rich. I married a teacher. So well, hey. I can do whatever I want. Hillary, I brought you here first because I had seen on social media you you do a lot of stuff with the Moms Demand Action. I'm not going to start there, though. Okay. I'm going to come back 
to that one. But you're also on the Lisa Mutt School District CFMP. I said it right that time. You did. I am. You're on the CFMP team. You're with the Citizens Advisory Committee for the school board. You're on the equity team. That's a lot there. And wait a minute. You also do stuff with Lisa McCares. Did I leave yeah. anything off? I think we're good. Yeah, I do a, just a lot of uh, work for kiddos. That's that's really my passion. My background is uh, I was a kindergarten teacher and a parent educator. And so when I decided to stay home with my girls, um, I needed to keep busy. And that's where my passion lies. So well, That is <laughs> awesome. Let's start with the school district stuff because okay. I think that is – well, this, let's just get everybody's, you know, up in a dander here. And okay. – uh, uh, Let's start there. I want to start with the CFMP. Yes. Because that is where we've had lots of drama and lots of back and forth. So first off, I want to talk about the origin story. Yeah. <laughs> how did you, how did you get involved with that one and, and and what's that like to say to raise your hand and say I want to get in with the school? How did you do that? So there were two ways. You could fill out an application and say I want in. Um, I did not. I um, was the uh, PTA president at my kiddo's school and so and had worked with the CAC team and some other things. And so um, they came to me and asked um, if I would like to sit on that team. And it came with an email that told us, you know, about how much time. They lied a little bit about how much time <laughs> it would did. take. Um, and I just feel like, uh, you know, I think that if you want to make change and if, if you want to do good things for your community, that you have to be in on those conversations. And I also think that, uh, you know, women that have kiddos in school and are on the ground in those public schools need to have a voice at the table. So I agreed and I was in. <laughs> <laughs> what did you focus on mostly, I guess, with that? What was what was what was the key component, I guess, your goals with that group? So the first, it's in two phases. And so we're, we're done with that first phase. And what we really tried to concentrate on is, um, do our schools, um, are they at a capacity level that our kiddos can walk in the hallway? Can they eat in the lunchroom without feeling crowded? Um, when we get ready to do a lesson, is there a small enough number of kiddos in the classroom that everybody gets a fair chance? Are there enough supplies in that classroom? You know, because when you compare a classroom with 16 kids and a classroom with 25 kids, inevitably, the, the classroom with 16 is always going to do better, not just um, when you talk about academics, but when you talk about social and mental health for those kids, too. So we started by looking at the numbers at each elementary school and middle school and high school, and we went from there. How did they set it up so that you had the right perspective? I'm married to a teacher. I was <laughs> raised by a teacher. The aunts are teachers. Uncles are teachers. Yes. So I'm embedded in that world okay, a little bit. <laughs> But what, I guess, how did they set it up so that you as, as citizen volunteers had a perspective of the difference between being a teacher that has 15 kids and a teacher that has 20 kids or even 30 plus, which I don't think that happened often in our school district, but it happens out in the, in the world. So right. I guess I'm kind of wondering how, how you were able to get a perspective of what that, what that means, why it's important. Um, most of us in the room were um – had some background in, in what a what a school looks like and, and what overcrowding and things look like. Um, I think when you look at um, school scores and the MAP scores and things like that, when we look at a classroom that has 
had consistently high numbers, you'll see those scores drop down. But for the CFMP team, they um, just showed us really the population and, and how big those schools were. And schools like Mason, when you have, you know, your whole section of sixth grade out on a, in a trailer, you knew that school was, was just too crowded. So... What did you find the the public conversation like? I mean, I, you know, I think we we've all seen Facebook is 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 crazy, but I mean, was there anything good about those kind of conversations? There were some good things. Um, one of the things that I didn't try to shy away from is I figured that if you're on that team and you're going to be the voice of I hate to say the people, but your your community that you have to be you have to be able to listen to them and understand even when they're mad. And believe me, there were some ones that were mad, but some of them would come to email or phone calls with some really good suggestions that we thought, ah, oh, we didn't we didn't think of that. Let us let us go back and look at those lines. Or what happens if we move those Eagle Creek? To, you know, why did we take a big section of Eagle Creek and then leave those townhomes? Why why don't those townhomes get pushed into you know the those neighborhoods. So things like that, that when you've got the big maps rolled out in front of you and you're looking at the numbers and you're looking at the data, sometimes you miss out on those personal stories. And so you need the community to um, just kind of pipe in and say, have you thought about this? So. Well, let's, let's, let's kind of poke in there a okay. little bit. You, you talked about the maps. Yes. Um, so how, I guess not how, well, we'll get to how. Okay. <laughs> what are you considering and how do you make those decisions about I'm going to take these people here and shove them into this district or I shouldn't say district. I should say yes. boundaries is yes. probably the better word yes. because I think, you know, that is the, that's the contention, right? That is right. that is where people get upset. You know, they move to neighborhoods because they want this school or that school. Right. Nobody likes change. None no. of us want anything <laughs> to be different, right? Right. So, so what are you looking at, and how do you make those decisions? So I know it's not popular, <laughs> but I I would tell people that when you buy into the Lee Summit School District, you buy into the school district. You don't buy into a specific school. Because uh, when we look at equity and we look at what's best for the school district, we want all of our schools. Um, they don't have to be the same, but they have to provide a lot of the same experiences and a high level of education. And so when we looked at maps, we would look at threefolds. We would see, um, we tried to keep neighbors neighborhoods together because if you go down the road and and I'm on one side and and your child's on the other they shouldn't be going to different schools we should try to keep that community together or that neighborhood together the other thing we would look at is bus routes where you know do they have to cross the highway what's the easiest way um you know can we cut down on how many kiddos are are getting on a bus within a a, a certain area <laughs> and uh, so we, we take a look at things, and then we looked at, at the feeder schools because, let's be honest, your friends that are in sixth grade, we've got kiddos in Cedar, Cedar Creek over in sixth grade, and they're getting split up to go to two different middle schools. And so uh, when we look at things like that, we know that that middle school age is a very important age, and we want, we want um, the students to be able to go into feeder schools, and those same middle schools feed into the high schools. So we tried our best to, to work around that. 
Well, that part of the phase is over. You, the, yes. the boundaries have been set. That goes into effect next year. Yeah. So why don't you give us a little bit? We're going to move on real okay. quick. But but why don't you give us a little bit of what, what happens next? What is phase two? So phase two, we meet in March. Um, and we're going to start looking at um, what those 21st century school schools look like. Um, it's not going to be the the desks and the tables and the and the chairs all in a row that, that maybe we were used to. You're going to have... Have, um, is, it, is it standing desks and exercise balls? <laughs> a, and... <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's a little bit of that, but it's also a space to collaborate. I mean, it, it has, um, you know, most of the learning doesn't take place, you know, sitting at your desk. It, it's collaboration spaces. It's being able to use that technology. It's having um, the availability to move throughout the school in a safe way. So we're going to start looking at, at um, some of those ways and try to update some of these schools. Is that so? Is that more about how we use the facilities and how they're designed and set up? It is, but it, it when we when we um, change the facilities, um, that way we facilitate the learning in different ways. Because if the teacher has more room for collaboration, then that just um, lets her do different project, lets him think of different ways we can use the technology. I'm not going to get you in trouble here, so I'm going to okay. give a little disclaimer. You're not speaking for the school district. This no, is you and your perspective yes. on things. Oh. Um, so I don't want anybody to get mad at you. Okay. But um, but I so a little protection for you there. Thank you. Maybe. Thank you. Like, like, I, like I actually <laughs> ha- hold any sway over anything. Feel free to DM me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us an idea of of timeline of of is is there one do you know of one of like when those things are going to be reviewed and yeah. when decisions are made or is that even possible So I don't know of a specific timeline but I do know that our next phase is looking at whether we need two elementary schools or do we need um, to move the sixth graders into our middle schools. Because at this point, we've, we've kind of established at a team that, that we really don't think that we need that fourth high school. Their learning looks so much different for our high school students and with the Missouri Innovation and all the technology that we really don't feel like we need a brick and mortar fourth high school. So we're looking at either taking our sixth graders and putting them into the middle school, which is really when you do your research is a true middle school concept um or do we need those two elementary schools you know over by the highland park area it's just so overcrowded there so right so that's what you know and one over by mason so yeah well i want to i want to go back to something you said earlier when you were talking about moving the boundaries and seeing who is where you you brought up equity and having having the pathways and the opportunities and access for all students right so i want to start with something really really simple here okay (laughs) (laughs) you know that's loaded right Yes, absolutely what is equity in education for you equity for education for me is giving every student a chance to reach their ability And so equity for me, even with a background in education, can mean that um, students in our lower achieving schools, we may have, you know, 13 or 14 in a classroom there because they need that extra support and they need that extra help. And some of our other schools may have 22 or 23 kiddos in a classroom. Um, Equity looks like uh, sometimes providing technology for students and not technology for other students who may not need that to get ahead. So 
Yeah, <laughs> that that one's not going to be popular. I'll be real honest. Well, let's let's let's, let's go in from from there then and talk about the the equity team. That is right. another another group within the school district where yes. they they've brought in some people from some parents like you from yes. from the public. There are also some administrators involved. Right. So tell me a little bit about that group and and what you're doing. What you what the discussions and conversations you're having. So that equity team um actually actually tonight so this so it'll be you know um you're breaking that the, fourth wall I on know, me now at the, uh, at the board sorry it's not live um at the board meeting we'll bring a plan in place that just says you know we there are disparages between when we look at or disparities when we look between what our children of color are achieving and 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 what our other students are achieving and and we need to be able to fill those gaps and so that looks like some um equity training when it comes to our teachers and administrators and it looks like having a plan in place to be able to raise those scores it also is as simple as sometimes um, hiring the candidate that that best represents what our population is starting to look like you just you just brought up there some differences that the data has shown your team yes. in 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 race and how's how how do you have that conversation? Because that's not an easy conversation. None of us nice. really want to talk about it. No. We, 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 a lot of us like to say the conversation, and that's as far as we go. And that's fine because it's hard. And yes. What, what conversation – before I say how, I guess, what conversation do you think we need to have? What has that data told you – and I'm asking you personally. You don't have to speak okay. for the whole team. Again, I don't want <laughs> yeah. you to get in trouble. This is yeah. this is just just you, Hillary. Yeah. When you look at that data, what story is it telling you? And what conversation do you think we need to have that maybe we're not having? Uh, the story that it tells me is that interestingly enough, even when you take out the social economic part of of um, the data. So let's say that we have a, a child of color and then we have a white student. And when we look at those and they've come from the same apartment building, they're both on free and reduced lunch, they're both, both at that same level, um, that we continue to see that the child of color continues to underperform. And so, yes, there are things that we can do for both of them um, when it comes to social economics, but there, there needs to be more work to bring the children of color up uh, to give them a, um, a fair chance or a more equitable education. And sometimes that can mean, you know, having an educator in the classroom that looks like them. We know that when children relate to their educator, that their scores rise up, and they're, I think, they're eighty percent more likely to graduate from high school. Don't quote me on that, but there's some, there's some. Uh, it's on tape now. I know, but there, there's some, there's some good research to show out there. And you know, and what's hard in education, and this is, I'm gonna get a little on my soapboxes, is that when you go into schools and you're a, you're a child of color. And you have no role models that show you that you could be a teacher, then then they're less likely to go into the field, and then their children are less likely to have a teacher of color, and so it, it goes cyclical. Because I know when I was in school, 
I had the representation of a look. There's there's women, white women that teach school. And so when it was what could you do, that was on my radar. And I think that's like that in every field. When we talk about STEM and we talk about, you know, my daughter wants to be an astronaut. And so I show her pictures of woman astronauts because I want her to know that that is possible. But so when we work with our children of color, we need to have those role models in those places so they see that that is something that they could do as well. I'm gonna. I'm probably branching off a little bit here, okay. but what um, what kind of things are you looking at that that the district can change to meet some of those needs? Like how how do you say if you want to? You've got the two kids. You have a white kid and a person of color. You mm-hmm. said you've got two students there. They come from the same apartment complex. They both have free and reduced. We're gonna use your same example. Yeah. <laughs> they both can get help. We can raise them both up. Yes. But the data you're looking at says that that the child of color mm-hmm. still isn't at the same place. So right. what can a school do? What are you looking at? What can a school district do to maybe raise that that other student up so that they're both at the same level with the same access? How do you how do you approach that? What what kind of things are we looking at? And therein lies that <laughs> therein lies the the hard part of it. Um, part of it is is training our teachers. Sometimes um, our research shows that that um, our wait time in our classroom. Um, which means when the teacher asks the question and how fast she calls for the answer, um, that teachers tend to call on boys faster because they make a lot of noise, that that sometimes girls need more wait time because they like to have their sentence structure ready to go, that children of color are less likely to raise their hand. And so um, the easy things like wait time and hard things like, you know, are um, we providing the the one-on-one help that the, those students may need for right now. So it, it's a hard one, and, and it's a lot of it's a lot of training and a lot of more research and a lot more education. I don't, I, you know, I don't claim to be the expert on equity. I just, when you see the numbers put in front of you, I think it's very hard as a community member to be okay with that, and I don't think we should be. Well, therein lies the whole reason that I asked you on is because you. You that's the kind of thing that you like to do is you yeah. dig in and you want to be involved. And, and on this show, we like to talk to people <laughs> about all the ways to get involved. But before we move on, and, and, and I'm probably going to disappoint you and others because we're not going to dive totally deep into, in, into all of these because we want to talk about some other things that you're involved yeah. in. So in your group, on your equity team. Right. How have those conversations been? Have the, Has it been the same that we see in public, that we see on, on, on social media? I mean, ha, ha, are we seeing those same things go back and forth and the same passion in, in, in conversations? I, I guess I want to know how representative are the public conversations to the conversations that happen inside your group? The passion's still there. I'll give them that. Uh. The passion is still there. Um, I think one of the things is that, that you don't you don't spend your time working on equity unless you really believe that that, that is what what is right for the district and what is right for our students. So the idea that we don't need it isn't something that our team has talked about. Everyone in the room wants equity. There are things that Okay, know, well I'm going to jump in. I'm sorry. I'm going to okay. jump I'm going to jump in on that and say, "Well, then how do you answer 
the people that come to you and say, hey, you need to listen to us too because we're we're the voters. We're, we're your parents as right. well. What is the answer? <laughs> That's a mean question. Yes. How are you answering? Yes. I'm going to say it a little nicer. Okay. How are you answering back to that and showing, you know, your that we do need it. This is something that you're doing. I guess I'm curious about how you're responding yeah. to those because I think we see that and we hear that question a lot. Yes. And that's the kind of question that ends conversation immediately, right? Absolutely. How do you move forward? So yeah. how how are you responding? Um I, I think the response you give is is that listen, we can, we can't argue with data, and when data shows that our children aren't succeeding, that we need to do something, and that um, you have a chance to vote in board members, and when you vote for your school board members, you know where they stand, and the equity team does its best to come up with solutions, and then it goes to the board. And if you don't believe that th- that their solutions are are good, if you don't believe that's where sh- we should be spending our time and money, then in, you as a citizen, it's your job to contact your school board member and say, "Hey, I don't want to vote for this. I don't think this is a this is the best thing," because. I'm out there working for what I think is the right thing. And if you don't think it's the right thing, then match me in my, you know, in my quest and we'll see who comes out on top. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really, I think it's all coming back to, again, raise your hand. Right, right. Raise your hand. And, And, you know, we see I have seen such engagement that, you know, in one part with the jumping back to the CFMP team, some of the engagement, I want to say, you know, there was a point where we were getting so many emails and so many phone calls personally um, that I thought, did we engage them too much? And I know that people don't want to hear That's that. That's a weird think, question. Did did we let the the public get so much in the nitty gritty details? Did we ju- should we have just put out three different solutions and said, you know, which one of these do you like? Um, now, I know that with transparency and what the district needs, not a lot of people would agree with me, but that is a conversation that, that I think is out there. And so um, I think that that people are highly involved right now in the school district right now um, and, and tend to have you know their ear to the door on these conversations. And I think that's good as long as you are not the keyboard crusader that doesn't want to show up. So Does that... I guess we'll wait and see. But in your mind, does yes. that kind of engagement, and, and we've seen tons of it through through the social medias, your your forums got lots of people out yes. and participating. So this is more about you being an activist. Okay. Is that going to translate, do you think, into to more people raising their hand to take part in the groups that you're in? Will it translate into people showing up at, at the voting booth? You know, I do. I um you know, I will tell you that I, I got involved a little bit in politics with Obama, and I was very excited about him and did that. But it wasn't really true uh, until the the big elections that I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, if you want something changed, you have to get out there. And I, so I think that movement is going. I think that when we see our next door neighbors involved in projects and we think, well, you know what, I could get, I could give an hour to that or I could show up that meeting. Or when you have a strong personality and you tell your five friends, listen, we really need to go to this meeting. We really need to make a difference. Then, then you're more likely to affect change. So I think we'll see it trickle down. And I think we've seen it trickle down in, in some of our local politics who's, who's getting elected and, and who we're saying, you know, we appreciate your service, but it's going to be time to move on to a more progressive voice. Well, we are very fond <laughs> on this show of saying, 
get active locally because there's there's nowhere that you can really affect change and you can be a part of the process than right in in your own backyard and and Listen, I mean, I, I like education. That's what my background is. I, I have a master's in education. And so that that's where I choose to spend my time. But, man, we need people at the animal shelters. We need people at the domestic violence shelter. You know, so, so we need people everywhere. I would just say find your niche and just go for it. So. Well, I'm going to stop all of the equity and CMFP. Okay. Well, dang it, CFMP. See, I always get that yeah. wrong. And now people are going to be mad at me. I know. Let's move on from that. And let's talk about the other group, the other passion that you have. You got involved with Moms Demand Action. I did. So first off, I'm going to have you tell us what this group is. Okay. Um, and 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 it's 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 a big organized thing. Yes. So give us a real quick brief of what this group is, and then I want to talk about what drew you in. Okay. So um, I am the group leader for Lee Summit for Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. And we are a grassroots, nonpartisan movement that works for common sense gun reform in a city level, a state level, and a federal level. So that is, we have, um, you know, our founder, Shannon Watts, uh, was at home on the couch and she watched Sandy Hook happen. And that's, you know, in Newtown with the kindergartners and, or the first graders. And she just thought, this is crazy. So she started a group on social media on Facebook and said, you know, if anything, anybody's going to change anything, it's going to be the moms. And so it started to gather steam. And, and at this point we have 5 million supporters. Uh, we just had our advocacy day, uh, down in Jeff city where we had close to 400 moms show up and, uh, lobby our legislators for common sense gun reform. Um, in this last election, you know, we registered over 100,000 people to vote and we elected 1,000 gun sense candidates, which means um, yeah, it can, kind of the counterbalance how the NRA has their candidates that they know that they will vote for them every time. We have gun sense candidates that say, you know what, when, when common sense gun reform gets on the table, we will vote for that every time. And so uh, we went from, you know, some moms having coffee to some moms kind of kicking ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me what attracted you, because we, we, we just talked yeah. about two very, very hyper local things you were right. involved in. Um, we just talked about how that's, you know, that's the place where you can get in and change. So what, I guess what drew you in personally and, and why you wanted to get into, to this group that has a much broader reach and push than, than the other things we've talked about. So, uh, mom's demand action wasn't ever on my radar. And four years ago, we, uh, got a call about early, early Saturday morning on, on the 20th of February that our neighbor, um, our neighbor's daughter, who we had just been dancing at her wedding. And, you know, I, I grew up, or, you know, not really grew up, but heard her daughter grow up in the backyard, swinging on the swings and training her dog. And we got a phone call that she had um, been shot by her, her newlywed husband. And it devastated us that, that here in Lee Summit, where I, you know, was born and raised that that gun violence would even touch us and we were kind of in a bubble that think that it doesn't and and so um being good friends with her parents julie and pat drew um they invited me to um a mom's demand action meeting and i went and that's when i realized that you know tanya is one person and her life was so valued and she was so loved but 
But when you start to see the statistics that we have, one million women alive today have been shot or shot at by their partner, and 4.5 million women have been threatened with a gun in their home, and we lose on an average month 50 women to domestic violence because there's a gun in their home. And you hear those statistics and you think, the grief that I felt, the funeral that I attended is happening over and over and over. And not just in my community, but in every community, every neighborhood, every city, every state, and every, you know, in in our country. And I felt like that, you know, if I'm going to have a voice because I have two little girls of my own, that this is probably a platform that I should jump on. Well, you just threw out a lot of data, and obviously yes. a, a personal story of why yeah. why that why it's important to you. Right. Um, I guess I guess my question is that's that's daunting. The numbers that you gave are, are are big. Yes. The the breadth of of what you described is very wide. It's right. across the nation. Right. What what can your group? What can you and your group of people here in Lee Summit? I, 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 I guess, I guess I'm, I'm just curious as to what you hope to do at this local level right. to, to affect change on, on a broader level. Um, so a couple things. Our mayor, Bill Baird, um, he agreed to sign Mayors Against Illegal Guns, which just means um, you know that if there's legislation that he can work that there are illegal guns in the city or in the state, that he will sign that legislation. Well, not sign, but he will lobby for that legislation and be on board with us. And so that's at a local level. At a, at a, a little bit bigger level, in the state level, um, we're lobbying right now. Um, for the last five years, we've had t- to defeat bills on... Um, g- it's called guns everywhere. They wanted them in daycares. They wanted them in bars. They wanted them on college campuses. And, and and that bill has been brought up again. But for the first time, we have some momentum. We put in our first, what we would consider a positive gun sense bill. And so basically, it's House Bill 960. And what it would do is if you, uh, if the court ordered that you um, have been, you know, a protective order for domestic violence, that and you are registered as a domestic abuser, that you could not go out and buy a gun and you couldn't possess a gun. Now, there's a federal law that is already in place that the federal law says, hey, you can't have that. If you were convicted as a, you know, a domestic abuser, you can't have that. The problem is if there's not a, if there, that law is not in place in Missouri, then you'd have to call the ATF to get them to come out and get the guns. And the ATF, you don't see them roaming around. But with House Bill 960, it would make it the same in Missouri, and that way the Missouri Highway Patrol could take care of it. Because when there is a gun in the home, it's five times more likely that the woman will be shot um, when there is a domestic dispute. And so some of those things we can we can take care of easily. And and not that it's going to solve all problems, but man, you know, if it saves your daughter, it's worth every every bit of it. So, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate the information, but your story too of, of why you got involved with right. this one, and and even how you're involved in the other ones. You know, so our Wednesday episodes of, of Town Hall, the ones that that kind of started this whole weird thing right. that we do. Um, Jason Norbury, my co-host on Wednesdays, always opens with the same thing, where he says a show about what you can do to make a difference. Right. So you touched on all of my favorite things, all of our favorite <laughs> things, but doing that, but what have what have you learned, I guess, that says that you can tell other people if you have a passion, if there you you see something that draws you in, a personal story, or you have a passion to change something, how right. easy is it for people to to get involved, to find those things? What do you tell others? 
Um, I will tell you right now, if you're thinking she's right on with the gun consent reform, you can, <laughs> here's my plug, you can text the word JOIN to 64433, and it starts feeding you information about how you can join us at our meetings in Lee Summit. But um, I would just say what, what you're passionate about, and don't be afraid to show up, even if you sit in the back, even if you don't say a thing, even if you go for 20 minutes here and think, not nah, for me, and walk out, you're at least getting out there and see what there is to offer, because there's so many little things that can, we, that can be done, and when you do those little things, they roll into big things, and then we get some change. So. Well, I'm very fond of a line I heard a long time ago. And it says this, it says, decisions are made by those who show up. Absolutely. So Hillary, thank you and everyone else who does show up to help make those decisions. Thanks for coming on the show today. You I appreciate it. Everybody should check out our episodes and our show of Lisa at Town Hall every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or really any of your favorite <laughs> podcast flavors. Just try them all. We're there, Lisa at Town Hall. Thank you, everyone. And we will talk to you on Monday. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Ryan Waters here with Shred. I'm telling you guys we're going to do a live podcast event here in the Room Space on February 28th from 7 to 9. Come check us out. We'll be doing it live in front of an audience here. We're going to have tickets for sale here very, very soon. We're going to have lots of giveaways while you're here. Everything from gift cards to membership to training packages. Also, we're going to have vendors that are also going to have giveaways as well. We're going to be covering nutrition, fitness, mindset, motivation, anything you guys need to know about living a healthy lifestyle, come check us out. See you on the 28th of February right here at Bridge Space, downtown Lee Summit.